This is Shi'ar Jeshub, coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Today, we will be concluding a sermon in Pastor Greg Scalzo's series on Heavenly Authority, which focused on the Jerusalem Council. When we left off, Pastor Greg was at Acts 15, verse 28, reading from the letter the Council sent to the Gentiles. Seemed good, they say. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these what? Necessary things. This doesn't sound like a compromise so that you can have harmonious relationships with the Jewish believers. These are necessary things for the Jews. They're necessary things for the Gentiles. They're necessary things for all believers that you abstain. The Holy Spirit... For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. No greater burden upon you. You don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to keep all the ceremonial laws, come to Jerusalem for the Passover, do all the different decrees and ordinances and the things heaped upon that, the legitimate law by the Pharisees and the scribes. But the necessary thing, that you abstain from things offered to idols. Now, we know an idol is nothing, the food is nothing. If you don't know what Paul tells us, you give thanks to God. But you don't purposely participate in idolatry and go into the temple and share the table of demons. Paul says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? That's 1 Corinthians 10, uh, verses 21 to 20, 22. From blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. And you know the letters of Paul agree with all those. There's no, there's no discord here. If you keep yourselves, if you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Now notice they're not setting up a new way to be saved. You're still saved by grace in Jesus Christ. They're not giving laws and decrees to add to the salvation. But they're telling them things that will impact upon their walk with the Lord. What do you think would happen to believers, Jew or Gentile, if they participate in these things, if they become sexually immoral, if they participate in idolatry, if they drink blood in ceremonies, if they become murderous? How is their walk going to be in Jesus Christ? These are major areas. This is not some slight accommodation. You will do well to abstain from these things. And obviously the weight of their positions does impact their work in the church, right? The position they have in Jerusalem does have an influence when this letter is brought up to the church at Antioch, you will do well to abstain. Keep yourself from these things. And then they say farewell. And you read, so when they were sent off, verse 30, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. We are doing it right. We are correct. And now Judas and Silas themselves being prophets also 
exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And they hear from Judas and Silas that this is what those who you know were first in the Lord have said, and they agree with you, and they're encouraged by it. And everything is brought back right. There is an attitude displayed in this Jerusalem council of those in legitimate authority that is summed up so perfectly as we're in the book of Acts, back in Acts chapter 10 and verse 24. And the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, stand up, I myself am also a man. I myself am also a man. Not an edict, not a decree, not, now listen, we are the head honchos in Jerusalem telling you peons in Antioch. From Peter to James to the whole attitude of the apostles, they are humble people who say, we are only men as well. Stand up. Don't get down on your knees and worship us. Don't get down on your knees and kiss our ring and put us into an unnatural position. Does not take away from the fact that they are truly used of God and they do have a high calling. Remember, we talk about this dynamic tension in the New Testament. You have this tension here between legitimate authority that God gives for the going forth of the gospel, for the edifying of the church, to preserve the truth of the gospel, that he gives to people. We are speaking about the gifts, the offices, the workings of the Holy Spirit, for the gospel to go forward and to stay pure, and that there has to be respect and recognition of the positions of authority in the body of Christ. They're needed. These men were needed. And then on the other hand, not unnaturally lifting individuals into a position that only the Lord Jesus Christ himself should hold. Not having some special group of exalted ones that stand separate from the people. Rather, each true believer called as a priest of God and a minister of the new covenant so that the gospel can go forward and the gospel can stay pure. Paul, um, let's see, as we have a few more moments, let's see what Paul writes about this council in the letter to the Galatians. Uh, you have, again, Judaizers trying to draw the churches of Galatia, the Gentile churches, away from the evangelical gospel uh, and undermining the work Paul has done in Galatia. And Paul, the tone of the letter is clear that Paul is greatly disturbed by this ongoing battle in the churches to try to affect the Gentile churches in this way. And you see the tension I just spoke about in the letter to the Galatians. Look in verse 1. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. So he says he's an apostle. He has an office. He has a position. He has a ministry and a call. But that call is coming only from God. It's not coming from some hierarchy. 
It's not coming from some established church saying we will accept you and you we will not accept for this purpose. His mission is given to him directly by God. And you know what was going on here. You can imagine how the Judaizers would go out and say, well, you know, that Paul, he tells you about Jesus, but he's not one of the original 12. He's not one of the Jews back in Jerusalem. Um, he's telling you part of it, but listen, we got to bring you directly under the law and tell you the full work. And many times they might use the apostles in Jerusalem to put down Paul when the apostles in Jerusalem we just saw agree totally with Paul. And they would try to say, well, he's inferior to them. And Paul, from the very beginning, tells them, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. If you go down to verse 11, he says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus appeared to him. The Lord Jesus anointed him and called him directly. And you know how many times you read in the book of Acts how the Lord revealed himself to him. And verse 13, he summarizes what happened to him. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. We read that in Acts. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. If these Judaizers are trying to tell you uh, how great the traditions are, well, I was ahead of everybody in knowing the traditions and learning the traditions, being zealous for them. Verse 15, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, he knows he's been chosen before he's born to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, not the traditions, rather Jesus Christ. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. He was under no compulsion to go and get their approval directly. Why? Because just like the prophets of old, God had spoken to him. He knew what he had to do. He didn't need them to tell them he could, he should, he can, he can't. God had told him, and so while he respects the apostles in Jerusalem, he didn't need them, and he had no compulsion to run to them to get their approval immediately. He is independent of them, and he does not need their stamp upon him. Clearly, Paul feels his apostleship does not have a human source, rather only by the will of God, and he's not even dependent on the twelve, and he clearly makes the point. He's independent of them, but he's independent only as much as any part of the body is independent of another part, right? Because he goes on to tell us in verse 18, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And this is probably the point that he comes down to Jerusalem and the believers are afraid of him and Barnabas goes out and gets him and brings him back to Peter and to James. And you can imagine for 15 days, the conversation, he spends 15 days, two weeks, one day, with Peter. 
Don't you think Peter's telling him about the whole three years of ministry with Jesus? He's learning all the details of things that happened back at the time, and he was oblivious to it. He was studying Judaism, but Peter was right there. Don't you think he told them what happened on that resurrection day? Critical information, right? So while the call on Paul's life comes from God, and he doesn't need a hierarchy to approve him to go out to do what Jesus has told him to do, there is an interdependence in the body of Christ, right? He can learn from Peter, can't he? Things that he didn't know he wasn't there. And so he benefits from Peter's position and Peter's knowledge. And he benefits, he talks to James. He benefits from James' knowledge as Jesus' half-brother. I'm going to stop it there, but when we follow this up, we're going to see some very interesting comments that Paul makes in the book of Galatians about the Jerusalem Council. I think we'll learn more about heavenly authority from it. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the dynamics of the New Testament. Lord, that you don't have a group of men that are just robots, obsequious to anyone that comes along that has some type of authority over them, but you have rational humans anointed by your spirit, desiring your truth to honor you and not men, and that your scriptures tell us the dynamics of that time period. Unlike any other book ever written, you truthfully lay out before us how it developed and how each came forth. And Father, we thank you not only for your inspired word, but your accurate account of history that you've given to us that we might learn and not make mistakes, but go forward even as the first church went forward. Father, we thank you for your holy scriptures in Jesus' name. Amen. For serious Bible study, join Pastor Greg Scalzo on the web at shiarjashub.org.